You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 15th, 2018, coming at you on a Friday afternoon, cashing in my money in the podcast contract. Have some money in the bank joke. It's money in the bank weekend. I don't care. Uh, here on a Friday, my name is Philip Rosenreich. I'm the uh, expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr__omd. Sorry for the late podcast today on the Friday. This will carry over for the weekend, hopefully into Monday. Um, I had early, I had an early morning, was unable to podcast, unable to record at my normal time. I did go to Wendell Carter Jr.'s uh uh, workout, um, or at least the post the media availability for that workout. You can check out an article up on Orlando Magic Daily about Wendell Carter Jr. I know I've written about him plenty. I've written about him enough. I'm getting to be known as the Wendell Carter Jr. guy. I promise I'm not. But he was my pick in the Locked On NBA mock draft, which of course continues. You can follow that on Locked On NBA. Check out that show on iTunes, uh, as well as plenty of other places where you can download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. I did also do the fan-sided mock draft, and I hope fans are a little bit more excited about my pick there. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. fell to me in that mock draft. And let's go through the rest of my mock drafts. In the step-back mock draft, I took Trey Young. I did a mock draft with a radio station in Salt Lake City. There, too, I also took Trey Young. So my picks are varied, right? I've taken, I, I, I would honestly say, and, and this will, I guess, be the first answer to the questions I'm going to say here. I would honestly say at six, if I'm getting Trey Young, I'm very, very happy. If I'm getting Mo Bamba, I'm very, very happy. If Jaron Jackson Jr. somehow falls to me, I'm very, very happy. If Luka Doncic is there at six, I'm going to personally accost and yell at every, at all five, uh, at all five people ahead of me and say, what the heck are you doing? And then thank them for letting me take the best player in the draft. But... I would say that at this point, it looks very, very... I mean, at this point, uh, you know, Trey Young could go anywhere. It could go three to Atlanta, maybe four to Memphis. Um, I doubt five to Dallas. But if Trey Young doesn't go three to Atlanta, I would say that there's a very good chance that he will be there at six. And if he's there at six, I, I will go... I will say this on the record. I think that he is the guy the Magic should pick. Um, I think that... that I think I said this on my Trey Day uh, episode a couple weeks ago that Trey Young um, is the kind of player that this league favors right now, um, that he could really transform the Magic both immediately and in the long term. Uh, he can grow into his role, uh, become uh, the shooter that the Magic have desperately needed, the guard creator that the Magic have desperately needed for really more than a decade now, um, since, honestly, since Trace McGrady left, if not Steve, if you want, unless you want to give Steve Francis his due. Um, and so I think that that is that is a direction that that I would go if I'm the Magic. Even if a guy like Mo Bamba's on the board, maybe even if Jaron Jackson Jr. is on the board, I don't know. I don't know about those two. I, I vacillate between between that. I, I think I think every time I've had the option between Young and Bamba, I've taken Young uh, for that reason. That I think guards just just rule the day right now, and you need to have a guard. And the Magic don't have guards, and Young is about as good as you're going to get for a very very long time. And so I think that would be the direction I would go if I'm Orlando. But Still a long way to go. I, I'm sure I can change my mind. In the meantime, I'm sure the draft will play out differently. And if the draft plays out differently, then of course everything is different for this team. But having said that, uh, since I was late today, and since I was sitting around at home after after I got home from work this morning, um, I, I put out on Twitter, I said, hey, there hasn't been a Lockdown Magic today. I'm going to record later in the afternoon. It's time for a secret mailbag. 
So I did get a lot of questions. I've gotten a lot of questions over the past couple of days. I figured it was time to open up the mailbag, hear what you want to hear what you want to talk about, what you want to say about the Orlando Magic and and uh, and and what uh, what you what what questions you want answered. Um, I've already kind of already answered this first question. It comes from Josh Rivera ninety at Josh underscore Rivera ninety two. He asked, what is your prediction for the top six in the draft? I'll probably do another mock draft episode uh, on a Wednesday, or if not a mock draft episode, I'm, I am planning on, we'll have it, uh, an episode before the draft with the Orlando Magic Daily's Ricky Skricka. Um, done a lot of great draft work, knows this class really, really well, so we'll, we'll chat about the class one more time um, and, and kind of play these scenarios out. But, you know, it does look like DeAndre Ayton's going to go number one. Again, I think that's crazy. Luka Doncic should be number one. Um, it kind of looks like Sacramento's leaning towards Bagley or Porter, and I would say this, um, the lockdown mock draft was pretty much the doomsday scenario for the Magic, where um, essentially Michael Porter and Marvin Bagley, the two players that, that at least I, I am out on, you may not be, but I am not, I'm not fans of their fit within the Magic or within what the Magic are trying to do. Um, if one of those guys goes in the top three, or one of those guys goes in the top five, the Magic are going to get their guy. If, if Bagley or Porter, and it looks like one of them is going to go to Sacramento, if Bagley or Porter goes in the top five, that means the rest of the draft can play out like this. Atlanta takes Doncic. Uh, Memphis takes, Justin, uh, just, uh, takes Jackson. Um, Dallas takes Bamba. And that leaves Orlando picking between Trey Young, but and 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 whoever's left, whether it's Bagley or Porter or whoever, could leave the Magic picking between Young and Bamba. Could leave the Magic picking between Bamba and Jackson. The point is, really, this draft turns on what Sacramento does at two. And and for Orlando, it really turns with Atlanta at three because that's kind of where Trey Young is slotted to is is, is rumored to go at this moment. But if if Bagley or Porter go in that top five. Orlando's going to get one of those guys that, that, at least for me, is someone that the Magic should absolutely go after. Is someone that the Magic absolutely could have and build their team around. Um, I like, uh, I like those odds. I like those chances. I like those options. Um, like I said, the locked on mock draft, which I I, I discussed in, in in a lot of detail um, earlier this week, was the doomsday scenario. Um, I think a lot of people have been kind of haranguing me about taking Wendell Carter Jr. And I'm, I'm a big Wendell Carter fan. But don't get me wrong. He is in that second tier of guys. I, I fully, I, I, don't, I don't only fully admit that. I, I'm saying that. He is in the second tier of players. If, if, if that first group of six or seven are the stars, Wendell Carter and Mikal Bridges are the top two of that next tier. But, so long as... One of those two guys, again, Porter and Bagley, that, that I'm just not high on, that I'm just not high on for this team, as long as one of those two guys goes in the first five picks, Orlando will get their, get a very good player and get what I would say is their guy, someone that they can really build something with. And so I do predict, I will predict this, I do think Bagley or Porter will go in the top three, top five. I think it's very possible both go in the top five. Porter's back injury is scary still, but it seems like things are clearing up. And so, I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see how things play out. Now, there is there has been a lot of talk among Magic fans of late. 
um, about possibly trading up to the fourth pick. And 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 uh, at Gator Jake twenty three twenty three asked this. Let's say Doncic is still on the board for Memphis. What's the package you offer them for number four and Parsons? Um, I've got a look. I got another one. I got a lot. Of, I get a lot of questions about the potential of trading up to four. Uh, uh, Cameron Wilson at ten. CJ Wilson asked, "Do you see the Magic trying to dump off next year's pick?" trading to the fourth and taking on Parsons' contract, as well as probably giving up Vooch and Fournier or whoever they want pairing Gordon or Isaac. There's been a lot of rumors of late, uh, both that the Magic are trying to move up. I have I have heard, read some rumors, uh, some reports about that. I'm not sure how true they are um, because it would be very difficult. Um, but there are a lot of reports right now that Memphis is looking to trade back from four if they can package Chandler Parsons' contract. Memphis is in a weird situation in this draft, I think, because they've got... Marcus Saul under contract. They've got Mike Conley under contract. And so long as those two players are healthy, they're on the outskirts of the playoffs. They're they're not far away. They're not your typical um second worst team in the in the league like they were last year. So they get a good player. They get the the exact right impact player. They're right back where they want to be. Um so it makes sense for them to think about trying to shed some salary and, and kind of using this pick as an asset to, to get out of something so they can get more immediate help. Because, you know, some of these players aren't going to be immediate helps to playoff teams. But unfortunately, I don't think Orlando is the team to make this deal. Let me tell you why. Um, I was discussing this with Danny Thompson um, of Around the Association uh, af- uh, earlier t- earlier today after after we talked to Wendell Carter Jr. Um, and, and this is definitely something that, that we understand fans are chatting about and, and, and talking about. But... If the Magic were to take on Parsons, and I think that the popular trade going, popular trade offer going around is Parsons and four for Terrence Ross, maybe Shelvin Mack and six, or Evan Fournier and six. There are two things you got to consider here. One, what are you going to get from Parsons? And two, you're going to really sit there with Bismack Biombo getting $17 million a year for the next two years. And Chandler Parsons at up over $20 million per year. And have them both essentially come off the bench. And then re-sign Aaron Gordon to a $20-plus million contract. That, you know, doing the basic, doing like some, some very simplistic math. If the Magic right now are $13 million under the cap. And trading for Parsons... Adds another six million. They have to take on an extra six million dollars in salary to make that work. And then you're signing. So now you're seven million dollars under the cap. Then you're signing Aaron Gordon to a twenty-plus million-dollar contract. That puts you thirteen, fourteen, fifteen million dollars over the cap. That puts you in the tax. And frankly, I find it very hard to believe that the DeVos family, that that ownership will agree to pay the luxury tax for a team that clearly is not going to make the playoffs or very unlikely to make the playoffs, even if you get like a Luka Doncic at four. Doncic is a great player. He is not that kind of immediate impact player, in my opinion. Not with this roster, at least. Not with the way this roster is constructed. And so I would say that trading up to four... If you're going to take on Parsons' contract, Biombo's the one that's got to go. You can't have both Biombo and Parsons on the roster eating up cap room and not playing. 
Yeah, Fournier makes the same amount as Biombo. I get that. But Fournier is actually a productive player. A lot of people, you know, put a lot on Fournier because of his salary. But I would still, I would honestly argue that, yeah, he's probably a little bit overpaid, but you get good value for him. I, I'm not upset with Fournier's salary. And if he's overpaid, at least he's giving you something. Biombo's not giving you the impact you expected at his money. Parsons has been dealing with injuries for a very, very long time. And I think it's it's very tough to justify to me taking on that salary, taking on that deal, and not getting rid of a bad deal of your own. That's just me. And I don't think Memphis is in a position where they'll trade for and take on Biombo, even if it's less money and less and 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 fewer years. I can see the framework there. I definitely see the framework of a deal, and I definitely see it benefiting the Magic. But I think the cost is too much, and that's why I think I shy away from that kind of a deal. Um, as, as I mentioned, uh, I think yesterday or the day before, in doing some of these mock drafts and trying to figure out how to make moves and how to trade around in this draft, I did find it very difficult to, not, to make a deal while shedding salary, even when I'm trading down. Because the, the pieces out there just aren't super attractive. I mean, a, a popular deal going around is trading the sixth pick to LA for 12 and 13. And maybe you could do six for 12 and 13 straight up, and, and that works, I guess. Um, but if you're trying to extract another asset out of that, what, does, what do the Clippers have that you would want? Danilo Gallinari is thrown around. He's, he's their bad contract that they're willing to part with. And I don't think that's a terrible idea because his contract isn't super onerous. But are you really going to get rid of a really bad contract to, 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 to make that work? Are you going to get rid of... Is that, is that worth... Is trading down plus getting Gallinari worth giving up six and Evan Fournier? Honestly, I think the Magic are giving up the two best players in that, in that trade. And that's a loss. You're not going to get them to take Biombo because they're trying to shed salary. And so I, I just found it very, very difficult to make moves without taking on big salaries, and the Magic just don't have a lot to give back. I mean, Terrence Ross, I think, is going to have his name heard, heard, thrown around a lot, um, but it's just very, very difficult to kind of take that next step. Of course, a, a lot of the trade discussions that we're having at this point circle around another guy on the roster, um, not Bismack Biombo, not Evan Fournier, but Nikola Vucevic, and uh, at Jacob underscore L12 asks, do you believe Nikola Vucevic will be on the roster when training camp rolls around? How do you think Mo Bamba would fit alongside Gordon and Isaac? I do not believe Nikola Vucevic will be on the roster come, come training camp, but it would not surprise me. I'd probably put it at about 60-40 that he's gone this summer. Vucevic is on an expiring contract, still a very affordable deal. He's still pretty productive. Um, I don't think that, I think that there is a market for him, but not a very strong one. You know, maybe the Magic can package Vucevic plus their two second-round picks to get back into the into maybe the teens, the late teens, and add another player again, probably a bad salary player at, at ten million dollars or eleven million dollars a year, or a little bit more. Um, but I I, I I see Vucevic going as a salary dump. They're going to be looking to trade him and not get a lot in return, or they won't expect a lot in return. It, 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 
I love Nick. He's he's a good guy. I think he bleeds hard for this team. I think he wants this team to succeed. But the the defense is just so glaring, and it just it, it, it just continues to just feel like there is a ceiling on this team with him on it because he just can't. He just doesn't do the things that modern centers have to do, especially modern starting centers at a high level. And so then the next question becomes. You know, how do you replace him is a separate question, but the question becomes, what do you get for him? And I think at this point, it, it's just, it just feels like it's time to cash out. So whatever you can get for him, take it and be happy with it. Now, how does Mobamba fit alongside Gordon and Isaac? I think that makes the Magic one of the toughest defensive teams in the league. The amount of length and, and just lateral quickness and athleticism within the paint would be very, very tough to contend with. The Magic can create a scheme that is a quasi-zone, I think, that keeps Mobamba in the paint as a rim protector, protects for the guards, um, and, and allows Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon to roam around a little bit or to switch a lot. Um, I think it fits a lot of modern defensive schemes. Now, Bamba's got to improve his lateral quickness. Um, he's, he's still kind of a lanky big uh, growing into his body, and so him defending on the perimeter is something that I think he can eventually do with his length and, athle- length and just innate athleticism. That's not something that he's going to do immediately. But it does project and does think that it could be a very strong um, defensive tandem. The offense is going to be a disaster. The Magic just needs shooting. Um, Bamba is maybe developing a three-point shot. It's not particularly clear yet. Isaac and Gordon are still developing three-point shooters. Fournier is still the best three-point shooter on the team. So it it does seem like it's very, very uh, difficult to see the team see the team um, being successful just on that alone. But like, like I've said in, uh, numerous times, you're not going to fix all your problems with one draft. You just got to fix whatever problem you can fix um, and take the best player available. And if Bomba's the best player available, your defense is set and you can figure out the rest later. If Young is the best player available, you take him and your offense suddenly looks a lot, lot more invigorated. And so that's definitely uh, definitely an interesting, interesting question. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people asking about the Vucevic, about the potential Vucevic trade. Um, talking about trading back from six uh, uh, um, at V ten FL twenty eight. You know, asked me for a realistic Vuce trade. I really don't have one at this point. I think it's something that'll just pop up, and you just kind of throw his name in there. Um, if he asks about the six pick, if it's Trey or WCJ, who are you taking at six? Um, I, I've, I'll say this again. I think Trey Young would probably be the best option at six if, if the draft goes how everyone thinks it will. Um, really, outside of Doncic or Jaron Jackson Jr. following, following I would take Trey Young at six. Um, he also asked trade back candidates for Orlando if they're not happy with who's available at six. I'm actually working on an article about this, um, so I don't want to give away too much because I'll probably talk about it a little bit next week. But um, I think the Clippers at 12 and 13 are a really natural choice. Um, I think that there is definitely an option to trade back there. Um, I think Philadelphia could be an interesting place to, to trade as well. Um, they have the 10th pick as well as the uh, as well as a pick in the 20s. I don't think they want to use all three of their first round. I think they have two or three first round picks. I don't think they want to use all of them. So, you know, maybe you take on a Jared Bayless and trade out another contract. I don't think they want to take on salary, but maybe you're willing to say, okay, uh, we'll give you a six. If you give us 10 and 20, whatever it is, and... Jared Bayless. And now all of a sudden you have a decent shooter at point guard. You could give him Shelvin Mack if you need it for salaries to work. Um, so now you all of a sudden you have a decent shooter at point guard, a nice veteran as well. Uh, and now you have a pick at 10, so still a top 10 pick, so you can get a guy that you like, like maybe a Shy Gilgis Alexander or Colin Sexton or Kevin Knox. 
and a pick late in the first round to maybe go after uh, an Anthony, Anthony Simons or go after a Kevin Herter or go after um, you know a, a Melvin Frazier, who I'm really high on as well, uh, or someone else. Or someone else that you that you really like there, um, so I think there's definitely trade back options. I think Philadelphia is definitely an interesting option. Um, during my locked on mock draft, I engaged a little bit with Utah. Um, Utah is on the cusp of contending. Uh, I, I think that they're looking for that last piece, and I think they're a team that might be willing to take on a little bit of salary um, because Utah is such a difficult free agent destination. Um, I originally had talked with Utah's GM in the locked on mock draft about trading. Both my second-round picks plus Vucevic uh, for the 21st pick. Um, I think that that's a possibility if you're trying to trade up from the second round. And and uh, you know this was a question I got to uh, from Gi Lee um, underscore 12 asked what should we draft with our second rounds rounders and trades that likely could happen on draft day. Um, I think Utah might be an interesting target. Um, uh, you know. There's always been this odd connection with Evan Fournier with them. Um, not only because Evan Fournier is really good friends with Rudy Gobert, not, you know, that's extraneous. Um, you know, Evan Fournier's vacation in Utah. I will hear no Utah slander because it's a beautiful country, and I know he went backpacking out there. And if you haven't been to the Big Five National Parks in Utah, put it on your bucket list and go to the Big Five National Parks in Utah, especially Arches um, and Bryce Canyon, I would say, and probably Zion. And, and Screw it. Go to all five. Canyonlands. Capitol Reef, Arches, Bryce Canyon, and Zion National Park. Five best national parks in the country. Sorry, Yellowstone. Sorry, Yosemite. Sorry, Everglades. Um, I can't think of any more that I want to name right now. But the big five national parks are beautiful. Um, They're really hard to get to because they're in southern Utah in the desert. But that's neither here nor there. Um, It's been a long time since I've been to Arches. I need to go back. So that's probably my next vacation. Uh, Actually, when I was in Vegas, I looked into traveling to to Arches, but it was too far away. Unfortunately, it's like, it's, Arches is literally in the middle of nowhere. Uh, But uh, that's neither here nor there. That's, that's, that's my aside for the day. Um, There's always been this weird, weird connection between the two. Um, I'm not sure how interested the Jazz are. That is a big salary to take on, but Fournier fits a lot of what they need. They need another perimeter, they need another wing shooter. Um, I think he would play off really well off of Donovan Mitchell um, and Ricky Rubio to some extent. Um, him and Joe Ingles could be pretty interchangeable. Um, and so, you know, I, I've offered a deal. Uh, I offered a deal where the Magic would get Alec Burks as well. Um, I think that there is something there. Uh, I, I'm just throw. I mean, this is pure speculation. I don't know if there's an actual deal to be made there. But Alec Burks is an interesting shooter. He's kind of been disappointing. I think the Magic can afford to take that step back from a talent perspective and take a chance on a guy like him um, to, uh, to to get another draft pick, to get another young guy, uh, and to clear up some cap room. Like, that's the kind of deal that if I'm the Magic, I'm really focused on. Like, find some guys who are struggling a little bit in their current situation that maybe aren't on great deals, that, that you know, you're still eating a little bit of money, but you are the team that can give them the chance to, to, to play and to get an opportunity. And and that's, that's, that's kind of the direction I would go. So I would... I would put a dark horse on Utah there at 21 as, as a potential team that I might target, especially if I'm trying to get off one of my big salaries, whether that's Ross, whether that's Fournier, whether that's Vucevic. Um, definitely something there, especially because Utah is such a difficult market to attract free agents. Um, honestly, just from a contract standpoint, Evan Fournier locked in for three more years, even at his salary, I think would be very attractive to Utah because he he fits a need of theirs that will make them a better team, I think. Um, and so... Uh, definitely something to consider uh, there. That's a lot of draft questions, I think. Um, there is one more question I want to get to. There's actually two more questions I want to get to. 
Um, but this question I have to bring up first. Uh, Kareem Helbawi, sorry if I mispronounced that, that's K-H-E-L-B-A-O-U-I, asks, do we have the pieces to go after Kawhi Leonard? Of course, on Friday, multiple outlets reporting that Kawhi Leonard has informed the San Antonio Spurs that he would like to be traded. And I think we all know from the Dwight Howard fiasco, once that trade request is put in, it's time to trade. The market will not be any better for him. Um, sometimes you get lucky with a Kobe Bryant, and the Spurs are certainly a team that I think can figure things out and find a way to uh, find a way to uh, become competitive and convince Kawhi to say that's that's what the Spurs do. There are very few teams that are able to do it as well as the Spurs. The Lakers, when Kobe was trying to get out, were what was one of them too. Uh, but uh, but I think Kawhi Leonard would be very difficult for the Magic yet. Essentially, San Antonio would be looking for another building block piece. So, acquiring Kawhi Leonard would cost you Jonathan Isaac. Period. Full stop. It might cost you next year's first-round pick, which, honestly, next year's first-round pick, I think, is the most valuable asset on the Magic that the Magic own. The Magic own all their picks right now. They've done a very good job protecting their picks, and I think that's good until they start making um, their steps forward. Uh, so, I don't think the Magic should shop any of their first-round picks. And I think that automatically kind of takes you out of the Kawhi Leonard running. Um, obviously, Kawhi Leonard would make your team better. Um, if you acquired Kawhi Leonard for Jonathan Isaac, your team would be better. But once you acquire Kawhi Leonard, your clock is ticking. Once you get Kawhi Leonard, you, are, you have to start contending. You have to start winning or he's going to want out again. And unfortunately, I don't think the Magic are there yet. I don't see a scenario where the Magic give up a lot of assets because you got to give up something to get something where they give up a lot of assets and let's assume that the Spurs want some of their players. If the Spurs want to do Kawhi Leonard for Bismack, Biyombo, and Shelvin Mack, let's do it and not think twice about it. But that's not going to happen. Once you give, once you give up a lot of your assets, you got to have something there to, to keep Kawhi. And I don't think the Magic have that yet. To me, Making that kind of a deal screams that you're rushing the process, that you're trying to speed things up. And that's not where the Magic are right now. The Magic do need to take a beat. They do need to slow things down. And they do need to build themselves back up, collect some assets, so that if they trade them away, they'll have something in reserve. Right now, it would essentially cost the Magic everything to get Kawhi Leonard. And then they'd have nothing but Kawhi Leonard. I don't even, I'm not even sure they'd have cap room considering what they might have to give up or what they might have left. And so right now, I don't think that kind of a trade is feasible. Right now, I don't think that the Magic and their progression are at the point where they should be chasing after stars that become available on the market. If you can get a deal done, think about it. I mean, you make a courtesy call. But I don't think that that's a deal that's going to happen. I, I just don't think that's, that it's something that the Magic should even necessarily uh, pursue with any type of vigor. But of course, we'll, we'll see. Um, a lot can happen between now and then. One last question on this secret mailbag uh, edition of the podcast. Um, at flying underscore night asks the most existential question I can think of. What does success look like next season? The easy answer is the playoffs. And yeah, I don't think the Magic should 
completely write off the playoffs next year because anything can happen. But to me, success is not about win-loss records next year. The Magic won 25 games last year. I would expect them to do better because they'll get better players. But that's not how I would judge success. How I would judge success in the 2019 season as we sit here today, of course, in the middle of June, how I would judge success is, is the team taking a step forward? Is the team building an identity? Does this team look like it can be something down the road if they add one more good rookie, if they add that free agent that they need? What I want to see is a team that is young, prone to mistakes, sure, but has the outlines of something we can believe in two, three, four, five, six years down the road. I want to see Aaron Gordon take the next step in his career. I want to see Jonathan Isaac become more than just a defensive, a raw defensive talent. I want to see the rookie show signs that he can play in the NBA. Uh, just Not just play in the NBA, but show signs that he can be a quality starter, if not an all-star in the NBA. I think that those benchmarks are really more what the Magic are going to be about. And from a team perspective, I want to see if the team... I want to see if the team can begin forming an identity. If they can hang their hat on something. They could win 28 games, but if they're top 11, if they're top 10 defensively, even winning that few games, we can all say, you see, there is something here. You see, there is something that this team can accomplish and that this team can do. And I think that is vitally important. I think that is something the Magic should be building and growing to, toward. And I think they can get there. It's not about win-loss total for me next year. It's about building towards something, hanging your hat on something, growing and developing in a clear forward motion, forward path. I've said this to a, a million people. Um, some people laugh at me about this. But I thought the 35-win year Despite the Magic falling apart when they were 19 and 13, there were clear flaws in that team and they clearly couldn't run the whole thing back. But at the same time, I thought the team clearly took some steps forward and that there was something to hang on to. And while, yeah, I agree that there was a big Victor Oladipo question, I wasn't sure trading him was the right decision. I, again, I, I, I'll, I'll stand by this. I do think the Magic took an appropriate risk trading Victor Oladipo. I think that was a gamble that was worth considering and worth looking into. Obviously, it didn't pay off. They crapped out. But there are there are a lot of other things, I think, that the Magic can continue to grow and build upon. And I think that that's what they'll end up doing. Uh, that, uh, that's what I thought they were going to end up doing that year. Then Scott Skiles resigns, and I think that threw everything out, of, out the window and, and made urgency um, to win more prevalent. So, mainly, I want to see the Magic just give a little bit of hope. Provide a little bit of hope that, yes, things are moving in the right direction. They are moving forward again instead of backwards or stagnant, which was, I think, the problem under Rob Hennigan where everything just felt stagnant. And this year especially, did not only felt stagnant, it felt like a little bit of a regression. So, you need to start building that forward momentum again. And I think that's really what the goal for next season is.
I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Be sure to catch up on the Locked on NBA mock draft. It's airing now on the Locked on NBA podcast feed. We started it, I think, Tuesday. I think Tuesday was the first episode, um, the first six picks. So go back and listen to all of them. You'll hear my explanation for my pick. Uh, as well as analysis of all the all the players that are picked in the mock draft. So definitely check it out. Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated providing a lot of that analysis as well. So definitely check out that podcast as well. You can find it on iTunes. You can follow me, of course, on Twitter at philiprr__omd. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including the latest on the draft picks, we've got, an, we've got a, the case for drafting Trey Young up right now, as well as a look at Wendell Carter Jr. as he came into Orlando this uh, Orlando today. Um, that's all up on orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, cash in your money in the bank contracts before it's too late. See you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day.